Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson. I'm here with my conquering co-host, Angie. Welcome, Angie. Hi. (laughs) There are many different adjectives I could have chosen from this week's hymn. Mighty, disarming, victorious. Disarming. That's a fun one. To be like Ammon. That's right. He was a very disarming individual. Uh, It's a very powerful hymn today. And I thought of you and I thought about conquering the foe. Uh, And not only that, you make me want to conquer better as well. Thanks. If you at home could not tell from our list of adjectives, today we're talking about about hymn number 259, Hope of Israel. It's a good one. This week's hymn corresponds to the Come Follow Me reading in Ephesians. So, onward, onward, Angie of Zion. (laughs) Let's talk about this hymn. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So, um... Our hymn text is written by Joseph Long King Townsend. That's an interesting middle name. Must be a, a last name from his family or something. <laughs> um, and the uh, music by William Clayson. And these two actually collaborated on quite a few hymns. So Yeah, I was amazed when I saw how many hymns in our hymn book that they have collaborated on. There's yeah, it's like amazing. Six or seven that are... Still in the hymn really today. Well known. Yeah, really well-known hymns. Yeah. So we'll talk about that in a bit. So Joseph Townsend was born in 1849 in Bradford County, Pennsylvania. And he was raised on a farm and went to college in Missouri. He went to the University of Missouri and the Agricultural College of Missouri. Didn't really study music or anything like that. It's just an unassuming farm boy. <laughs> um In 1872, when he was 23 years old, he went to Salt Lake City in search of a climate that was better for his health. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure what his health problems were, but he was looking for something better than Missouri, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I know sometimes doctors would send people to sort of drier climates or somehow better for their lungs. Yeah. Yeah, seemed to be the answer for a lot of problems back in those days. Um, and while he was in Salt Lake City, he met the members of the church, and huh. he joined the church. <laughs> huh. What a strange so fancy place that. to meet members of the church. <laughs> yeah. So he ended up joining the church and went on a mission to the southern states. Um, when he came back, he, he settled in Payson and married Al- Alta Hancock. So I didn't read anything about children. couldn't find anything about if he had children, mm. so I'm not sure about that. Um, but he taught at several different schools. So he was a school teacher, but not of music. Um, he, well, taught... he was the, the lyricist, right? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. So, um, But he taught penmanship at Morgan's Commercial College. I'm not sure where that was. Um, he taught at Brigham Young Academy for a while, um, and he was the principal of Payson High School. And then he was also a teacher at one point at Salt Lake City High School. So I'm not sure what he taught there. Um, And penmanship and English and poetry. (laughs) 
Um, and he was a proprietor of a drug and mercantile business in Payson. So that oh. seems like a totally different yeah. <laughs> thing. At the same time that he was doing the teaching or I'm later? not sure. <laughs> it said he did it for like 15 years, so it might have overlapped. Yeah, it just seems like a lot <laughs> Yeah. to do all at the same time. Yeah, crazy. Um, but he was writing poems and hymns on the side as, as a hobby, and he wrote a lot. Um a lot that we don't have mm-hmm. as hymns in our in our hymn book. Um, but I found this really good article about him um, in the Deseret News from 2017 by Jerry Earl Johnston. And it was actually about the hymn, Let Us Oft Speak Kind Words, which he also okay. wrote. Um, and he, the, the article was called The LDS Giant I Overlooked Who Penned Let Us Off Speak Kind Words and Choose the Right, which he also wrote Choose the Right. So those are two of our very well-known hymns. Um, but it was a really good article about how he didn't realize how many hymns this guy had written and um, was shocked, you know, that he didn't really know anything I about guess. him. Yeah. So he, he went home and looked up about him. And one of the things he said that I really liked about Joseph Townsend was he said, Hidden inside the soft-spoken pharmacist was a warrior, a warrior of words, Hmm. which goes along well with our Hope of Israel um, battle song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, so Hope of Israel, you know, is a battle cry for our youth. And and I just love this hymn. It's a fun, fun song. he died in 1942, and on Wikipedia, it said he died in the Utah County Infirmary in Provo. So I don't know if he, that's like the mental hospital. I don't know if he actually had a mental illness or if people were sent there for other reasons. For various reasons. Yeah. No, sure. <laughs> Didn't really say. Um, so the hymns he has in our hymn book, and I think everybody will recognize these, um, are The Day Dawn is Breaking. Nearer, dear Savior to Thee, which I wish we sang more. I really love that hymn. Reverently and meekly now, let us oft speak kind words, choose the right. O Thou Rock of our salvation, hope of Israel, of course. O holy words of truth and love, the iron rod, and O what songs of the heart, which I also wish we sang more. That's a lot. (laughs) And most of those have music by our composer today too, right? Yeah, William Clayson. So... The ones that they wrote together were The Day Dawn is Breaking, Nearer, Dear Savior to Thee, O Thou Rock of Our Salvation, Hope of Israel, The Iron Rod, and O What Songs of the Heart. So that's most of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Um, and I, th- I thought it was funny that the guy who wrote that article in the Deseret News said he was the unintentionally the godfather of the CTR ring, (laughs) writing Choose the Right. That's right. So I thought that was funny. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about William Clayson. He was the the composer of the music. Um, He was born in 1840 in England. And when he was 10 years old, he was working on a farm and got his foot caught in a threshing machine and it totally mangled his foot, and he had to have it partially amputated. And so for the rest of his life, his foot was kind of like a club foot Hmm. um, from where they amputated it. Um, 
I found a whole bunch of information. I had at first I hadn't found hardly any information on him, and then all of a sudden I ran into this Payson Historical Society and they had a ton of information about him. So I've got all sorts of interesting things. Payson is proud of their sons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he went into the shoemaking trade in England, and he did this for the rest of his life. It's interesting I, since he's had yeah, a lame I, foot. <laughs> I, I was going to say that sounds a little ironic, but more power to him. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so he started learning flute in, in England as well and actually took lessons there, but he was a mostly self-taught musician. Mm-hmm. Um, he was baptized a member of the church in 1855, and him and his sister were the first ones baptized, and then eventually the whole family ended up joining the church, and they all immigrated and came across the plains. Um, he was the branch president in Irchester, England. I'm not sure how you say that exactly. In 1859, and he was branch president over the Wilby branch, which is the tune name right. of the song, Wilby. Yeah. So it was named after the branch that he... He served as a branch branch president. Um, They immigrated to Utah in 1861 and settled in Payson. And he married Susan Moulton, who he was actually engaged to in England. They got engaged there. And then she later came and they got married in Utah and got sealed in the endowment house um, after they were married first. They had three children. And later he ended up having two plural wives as well. Um, so he played for all sorts of things. He, he was mainly a flute player, like I said, and he played for ward choir. In fact, it said that he was called as the ward choir flutist. Yeah. So (laughs) I thought that was interesting. (laughs) We don't do that anymore. (laughs) Uh, We could. I mean, there's nothing that says we can't in the, in the handbook. (laughs) That would be interesting. Not one you think of very often. (laughs) So he was, he played for dances and theaters, and he was the ward chorister at one time. And he um, conducted the Payson Brass Band under the direction of the bishop. Like he was called to that by the bishop. That we don't (laughs) do anymore. That one I couldn't see happening anymore. I thought that was funny. Um, he had a four to five piece orchestra that played at different things. And then when the Payson Opera House opened, the orchestra was increased to a nine piece orchestra. <laughs> that doesn't seem very big, but yeah. <laughs> I guess that was the, the thing back then. A lot of his songs that he wrote for these different things weren't ever published. So that's kind of too bad yeah. that they, we don't have those anymore. Um, so he met Joseph Townsend working in the Payson Sunday School. They were both counselors in the Sunday School presidency, and he was the counselor and the chorister for the Sunday School. So <laughs> he had a double calling. And they were like, hey, I write words, you write music. We ought to get together. Well, he wrote some great songs. Um, and he was ordained a member of the Quorum of the Seventy in 1864. And it said he was one of the presidents of the 46th Quorum. So I'm not exactly sure how that all works. <laughs> yeah, things have changed in, yeah. over the course of the years. And he died really young. So he was he died in 1887. He was only 47 years old. Mm. 
and he died of it said it, he died of Bright's disease. I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up, and it said it was an inflammatory disease of the kidneys. Yeah, I think it has a different name now, but yeah, sounds like it was pretty pretty bad. So being forty six now, forty seven definitely sounds young. I know <laughs> <laughs> it's really young. Um, so let's talk about our hymn. So can you read the words? Sure. Or just read the verses and then the chorus at the end. Hope of Israel, Zion's army, children of the promised day. See, the chieftain signals onward and the battles in array. See the foe in countless numbers, marshaled in the ranks of sin. Hope of Israel, on to battle, now the victory we must win. Strike for Zion, down with error, flash the sword above the foe. Every stroke disarms a foeman, every step we conquering go. Soon the battle will be over, every foe of truth be down. Onward, onward, youth of Zion, thy reward the victor's crown. Hope of Israel, rise in might, with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray, vanquish every foe today. So this song has a lot of military vibes. Yeah. And why do you think that there were so many of these militant type Christian song hymns well i mean you think back to like onward christian soldiers and you you know take this back to like the crusades and things like that you know but i don't think i don't think we want to go necessarily that hardcore i'm i think the the idea of fighting against satan has been a, an image that has held fast with Christians for well as long as Christians Centuries, have been around, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I th- I think this parallel is a very easy one to make, mm-hmm. where you have this fight against Satan and this fight against your enemies, and so you sort of combine them together into um, into this metaphor that he's using here. Yeah. Um. It, I was reading in one place it said that a lot of churches have decided to take all the militant type hymns out of their hymn books completely. And I know our older hymn books had more of them mm-hmm. than we have now. But I really like them. I like these ones. I mean, some of them in the older hymn book, you're like, whoa, maybe they should have taken that out. That's kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of rough, you know. Yeah. And, um, pretty strong language. Yeah, but this um, one especially, I mean, we're talking about the sword of truth and right. I mean, we're talking about the armor of God and, we're, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, every foe of truth be down. So yeah, we're, this is definitely a fight against evil. This is not a fight against a physical enemy. This is a fight against Satan. And it we are the hope of Israel. Yeah, I loved, I loved singing this hymn and all the other ones that are kind of marches and mil, like military kind of, language um on my mission because mm-hmm. like we were this huge army of missionaries you know yeah. and it was just so powerful to sing those songs together and think about like destroying satan and, and evil you know, yeah with with the word of god so i love that um i wanted to read from our latter-day hymns what karen davidson says She says, the image of church members as a military body fighting a fierce war serves some useful purposes. It is natural to think of the metaphor of a battling army when we are 
concerned with such characteristics as loyalty, courage, and determination. Throughout scripture, battle imagery has represented the war against evil. Um, and then she quotes the scripture that we're going to read. So in Ephesians, like you just said, they talk, he talks about the armor of God. And we also have that in the Doctrine and Covenants. But can you read this scripture? Um, so this is Ephesians 6. And uh, let's read 10 through 18. All right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I like that, the wiles of the devil. You're going to fight against it. Mm-hmm. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I've always loved these scriptures about the armor of God. Um, What do you you think, how do you think the armor of God protects, protects us? Well, if we take the metaphor... And we think about armor, you know, back when Paul was writing here, if you were going to go to battle, you were going to physically put on armor. We have different sort of armor. We have armored vehicles and things today. But back then you were putting on a breastplate and you were putting on a helmet and you were carrying a shield and you had these things because they were to protect you from your enemy. You were, you know, against... Uh, swords against arrows against things that were coming against you you had this protection without that you were basically a sitting duck in the middle of a battle where any small thing is going to do you in Mm -hmm. so the metaphor holds true with our faith as well where we've got to put on this armor you know our faith our prayers our um the you know the like our little moral our moral conduct the things that we do every day all of those put up an armor around us that keep the buffetings of satan from getting to us and so when those temptations come we can resist them easier because if we didn't have those armors if we didn't have those things any little thing from satan would be able to get to us because we didn't have that protection ready on us at that time yeah um, I really loved when we were in seminary back in the olden days, <laughs> in the 1990s, um, this video about the armor of God was one of my favorites. And I think it was because it showed like this depiction of these people that were really in a battle fighting in a war. And then these teenagers battling against peer pressure and mm-hmm. things. And so, and then they had these, um, guys in the army that like, 
took off their armor like no big deal there's no enemies around nobody's coming right now so we're just going to take this off and rest and relax and it showed these kids like being tempted to go to a bad party or something and giving in to the temptation like oh it's not that big of a deal and then you know they start doing what the other kids are doing drinking or doing drugs and the guys over here in the in the battle are like the enemy comes when they're unaware and shoots them so it was pretty powerful and um we need to think of it like that you know like this is a real life situations where we really could be putting ourselves in danger if we're just like oh it's not that big of a deal if i go to this party or if i do this thing you know if i watch this movie but it ends up being a really big deal yeah and i can't think of that movie without singing that was also a great song song. yeah Yeah. i'll see if i can find that video i'm pretty sure it's available on the church website and i'll see if i can put a link down in the show notes yeah that would be great (laughs) um so in 2018 president nelson gave this monumental talk called hope of israel to all the youth um him and his wife together, um, and talked to, talk to them about how he wanted them to join the Lord's battalion and become the hope of Israel, like the song says. And I just wanted to read a few quotes from that because it was, it was so good. So he said, We want you to know that the gathering of Israel ultimately means offering the gospel of Jesus Christ to God's children on both sides of the veil, who have neither made crucial covenants with God nor received their essential ordinances. So part of being that hope of Israel is bringing the gospel to people, whether it's through temple work or missionary work. He goes on to say, My dear extraordinary youth, you were sent to earth at this precise time, the most crucial time in the history of the world, to help gather Israel. There is nothing happening on this earth right now that is more important than that. There is nothing of greater consequence, absolutely nothing. This gathering should mean everything to you. This is the mission for which you were sent to earth. So my question to you is, are you willing to enlist in the youth battalion of the Lord to help gather Israel? Um, I love that. Further down at the end. Can I just answer yes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he gives some ideas of things that they could do. Um, but I won't read the whole talk, but you can go back and read it. It's, it's wonderful. It's, if you go to the gospel library, President Hinckley, then we would have been youth. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Um, so it was in 2018. And if you go to the gospel library and then go under the youth section, it's in there. It's, it's got its own icon. Um, He says, as I conclude, I invite you to stand with the youth from all around the world and experience the thrill of being a member of the Lord's youth battalion in Zion's army by singing our closing hymn, Hope of Israel, because this hymn is all about you. You are the hope of Israel, the children of the promised day. I love that. So when we sing this song here in a minute, um, we need to think about that. Not only, I mean... It is specifically directed towards the youth, but all of us, towards all of us, that we are the children of the promised day. I think it's pretty awesome that the Lord trusts us with that (laughs) responsibility. 
All right. Are you ready to sing Hope of Israel? Yep. <clears throat> Hope of Israel, Zion's army, children of the promised day. See the chieftain signals onward and the battles in array. Hope of Israel, rise in might with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray, vanquish every foe today. See the foe win countless numbers, marshaled in the ranks of sin. Hope of Israel, on to battle, now the victory we must win. Hope of Israel, rise in might, with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray, vanquish every foe today. Strike the Zion down with error, flash the sword above the foe. Every stroke disarms a foeman, every step we conquering go. Hope of Israel, rise in might, with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray, vanquish every foe today. Soon the battle will be over, every fall of truth be down. Onward, onward, youth of Zion, thy reward the victor's crown. Hope of Israel, rise in might, with the sword of truth and right. Sound the war cry, watch and pray, vanquish every foe today. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Hope of Israel. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or contact us through our website, knowinghim.weebly.com. We'd love to hear from you, what you think about the podcast, and about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to Knowing Him.